And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, The Mandalorian comes face to face with a new enemy, Moth Gideon. There will be... Den is now a flying himbo! IG-11 takes one last walk, and Moth Gideon reveals an animated toy. We're talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 8 Redemption this week. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good. That's well, that good. was a fast first first season, huh? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Rebels season four is the next closest one, and that's like what twelve episodes or something. Hopefully, yeah. I guess I was I was gonna say what was what was uh, Clone Wars season seven it was like thirteen or something like that. It, it was uh, it it was four four and four so twelve. Yeah, so that was also the twelve. 12. Okay. But, yeah. but some of those twelves were like you know like forty five minutes long. <laughs> once you got into the siege of Mandalore. Uh, how are you doing, Chris? You having a good week? I'm doing. I'm 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 doing good. I'm having a good week. But how are you doing, Hope? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> we we were actually not recording on our normal or our normal night because Hope had really bad food poisoning. I mean, I, you can Chris heard me last night where I was just like. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> I knew from, like, the first couple words you said, that sounded too good. Nope, nope, nope. I, I had that kind of food poisoning where you're, like, you're, like, heaving so horribly that you strain muscles in, like, your chest and your shoulders. So if I start laughing, it hurts. So just know I'm okay if I start laughing. I go, ow, I'm, I'm okay. Because I just... That gets, gets my muscles in my sides, too. Yeah. Oh, under my ribs, like, like, yep. like, r- right around, like, where my bra line is, like, that's sore. And, like, up my neck and my shoulders are all like sore. I, I was that violently sick at like twelve to two a.m. on Valentine, and that's the kicker, man. It was my annual Valentine's Day burrito that did it to me, and I know that because the rest of the day I ate everything the same thing that my roommate ate, except for my Valentine's Day burrito. She was fine, and I'm. It's and it's ironic because I get that burrito to treat myself once a year. <laughs> ow, ow, um, and it's what did me in and gave me very, very violent sickness from like eleven to two a.m. <laughs> that night. So. Lovely. Yep, yep. So just know I'm I am a little bit muted, everybody, but I'll be okay. We're also having fun because, like, our kitchen flooded. So now we have, like, fans in our kitchen and, like, plastic sheets that we have to crawl through. And our cats are very confused. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, quite a, a, a change. Well, it's it's also it's also some stimulation. Well, they <laughs> a little had variety to... in their lives can never hurt. 
they have three very different reactions, and every single one is a very cat reaction, which was, like, with, with Spokes, Spokes is our oblivious cat, so she was naturally scared, but once we came out, like, with some yogurt, she was just like, oh, is that yogurt? She just, like, walked right over and, like, sat in front of the plastic, like, you have yogurt in there, and as soon as the yogurt was gone, it's like she suddenly could see the plastic, and she's just like, what's that? And just ran off, and then Carmilla was just, the whole time, she was like, no, fucking no. Like, she's just sitting in the doorway across the room, just staring at it. She's like, I ain't getting near that shit. Fucking no. <laughs> it's it's staying over there. Nope. And then Zeb was the doofy one. Like, he would get right up close to it, and it would, like, rustle a little bit, and he would run away. And then, like, do a wide berth circle around it, and, like, sniff at it, and, like, look at it. And then one of us would emerge from the plastic, and he'd just be like, <gasps> it birthed something, and, like, run off again. <laughs> so, they've been... All three very entertained by the plastic that's covering our kitchen right now. And the very loud industrial fans. So I had Chipotle. It was delicious. That was my dinner. <laughs> I didn't want the burrito to beat me, Chris, because Billy said the same thing, too. I was like, why don't we have Chipotle for dinner? She's like, after your burrito incident? I was like, yes, the burrito will not beat me. I want Chipotle. <laughs> it's not real f- Mexican food. That is true. Not neither was the burrito actually. It was like a Tex Mex place, which isn't real Mexican. I bet if I went and got real Mexican, I would have been a lot better off. Oh well. That's what I get getting burritos made by ditzy teenage girls who were didn't know how Maybe to do not, things. Didn't didn't put on gloves or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh man though. It's been a long time since I've been that violently sick. So <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a fun one. And I did this outline yesterday. I don't remember a single fucking thing I wrote in this outline. Excellent. Excellent. I hope it goes into some sort of conspiracy like rant halfway through. Something about aliens or. I think I actually wrote in a joke or something like that. Uh, Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Let it let it just uh, pick up on you. Okay, okay. <laughs> it'd be better. It'll be better for the show that way. Yeah, yeah. So just know, everybody, I haven't looked at this in twenty four hours, and when I wrote it, I was delirious. So here we go. You ready to get into it? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Ow. Ow. Chapter eight, Redemption, is the eighth episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on December twenty seventh, two thousand nineteen. Three days before the hellscape that was 2020. That was a good, better time. It was written by John Favreau, directed by Taika Waititi. Extra information for you. The two Biker Scout troopers were played by Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis, both super popular comedy actors, and Jason Sudeikis had to go on to Ted Lasso to redeem himself by playing this pure, delightful character on Ted Lasso because he fucking punched Baby Yoda in the head. And the only way to go back from that is to play Ted Lasso. Well, he dies for Christ's sake, so that's uh, gets his. Oh, does he get? Is he the one who gets his hand just like crushed? <laughs> right, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, they get they get paid There's... back on the spot. They should be fine. The fans, it, people are. Well, I I shouldn't say people are too scared of Star Wars fans. Maybe you can't be too scared of Star Wars fans. I mean, nobody. <laughs> Star Wars is like Glee fans. Nobody hates Glee like Glee fans, and nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. It's just a thing. You know? People love to hate on it. Can't you know. Glee fans just hate Star Wars and the Star Wars fans hate Glee? If it was just that simple of a world. 
Yeah, yeah. But then you can't monetize it with my, like, how is Kathleen Kennedy going to ruin Luke Skywalker now with, like, laser beam eyes coming out of the face? Can't they just, can't they just switch the showrunner of Glee and, and Kathleen Kennedy? I do not want a Ryan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I will fucking burn it to the ground. Ryan Murphy cannot touch my Star Wars. <laughs> I, Fuck I him no and the racist no asshole he is. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I will. Modest proposal. I will fucking throw. <laughs> the, the, actually, I will say, and we'll get back to this in a second. Um, one person that I have been wanting to have like a Star Wars animated show is Noelle Stevenson, who is like, like you know, um, made like the Shira reboot and stuff like that. She did an eight part free Boba Fett. Django Fett and Zam Wessel comic on her Twitter. And it was beautiful oh. and heartwarming and funny. And it was worlds better than the book of Boba Fett. And I was like, this is what I fucking want in my Star Wars is this eight part comic that Noel Stevenson did for free on her Twitter. And I'm just like, please give this woman a Star Wars. <laughs> and yes, I know that sometimes Noel uses they, them pronouns, but not all often. And she says that she uses all pronouns. So. Oh. Anyway, no, no. uh, where was I? Oh, Den's mother is played by Alexandra Menea, and Den's father is played by Bernard Bullen. And just a little follow-up from last week, because I said in Chapter 7 and 8 that the 501st Legion was called in to play extras in these videos because they ran out of costumes and they didn't have, like, Stormtrooper outfits. But this was the thing I did not know. This was actually the first on-screen appearance by a member of the 501st Legion, which I... Which was surprising to me because I thought, like, one of the droids that was made by the 501st, like, R2KT, I thought, which is a real-life droid, was in a show. But I guess they were counting people. Um, look at me while actuating. Well, actually. But they, oh. they were also told that there was, this was a Lucasfilm event and they would not be appearing on screen in The Mandalorian until they showed up and found out that they were... I'm sure they had no objections. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine they, like showing up? You're like, we need you to help me this event. And you're like, okay. And you show up. They're like, you're going to be on TV. And they're like, what? Five oh first started around here. Well, I remember one of my my buddies um, telling me one of my coworkers are they're f- forming this club of people in stormtrooper <laughs> suits, <coughs> and now they're on the Mandalorian. Now they're everywhere. Everywhere. I don't know if it was those 501st that showed up. There were probably 501st who were way closer. <laughs> they were probably California. Yeah, they were, the, they were one of the California branches. I do remember reading about that. Yeah. Sorry, I was coughing off screen and then I crying. Hope. Oh, did I not mute myself? Fuck. I'm so good at this night. Hey, Yoda, I'm slumming it like you. Mm. What's up, man? Slumming it, yes. I'm so mucusy tonight, Yoda. Yoda's uh, mucusy all the time. Yeah, means, man. Means healthy. <laughs> mm. Really, this means healthy because I feel like shit. For for Yoda, it does. <laughs> I like choked on a piece of like Chipotle that was just like chilling in my tooth, and it just like went down the back of my throat. So oh. that's fun. Yeah, it's too much information for Yoda. Thank you. <laughs> really, that's your breaking point. After 308 episodes, me having a piece of food get stuck in my throat is your breaking point? Yoda has much dignity. When? 
always a Jedi always carries a, himself with dignity and Did you just honor. Do the Kermit the Frog drinking tea meme on me. Hmm. Why would um, Yoda's not gonna say anything? You know who doesn't do that to me? Grogu. Right he, he takes such good care of me, Yoda. Grogu, Grogu, always on time. Grogu always brushes his teeth. Oh, he Grogu does, and you know... poop on the floor. No, no, he was helping me not do that the other night. <laughs> I mean, he was, like, holding my hair. Not in, like, you know, he was there and, like, holding me up with the force. And he, you know what, he took care of me. Where was you? Childhood trauma. You you were experiencing childhood trauma. Grogu. Are you saying I traumatized the baby? What? Yes, traumatized the baby. Yes. Uh, no. It's okay. He's, he's a sweet boy, and I'm gonna miss him because we're doing Bad Batch next, oh, and I'm gonna miss so that baby oh, so please. much. Bye He's... bye, Grogu. Go away. Bye bye forever. Mandalorian no, canceled. No season two. Mm. There is a season two. We're gonna. How many no. episodes of Bad Batch are there? No. No. Grogu God. Went away. Happily ever after. Black no. Hole. Bye bye. No. Yeah, on the on the Boba Fett book of. Yeah. Well, we'll see Grogu again in like 16 weeks when, or 15, 15 or 16, however the fuck long Bad Batch is. Where are we in Bad Batch? Yeah, 15 weeks. I looked it up. Only one week in Yoda time. Oh shit, I fucking forgot that first episode of Bad Batch is 90 minutes. Oh, that podcast outline's gonna be a fucking monster. <laughs> Strap in for long episodes for that one, kids. That's a 90 minute episode. <laughs> anyway, Yoda, I love you very much. Do you know how much I love you, man? I love uh, you so much. More than Grogu. I do. I do. We've been through yeah, salt. We've, like, we've been through like we've been through we've been through weathermen and like pudding wrestling, and we've been through like so much, man. Ugh, I'm happy to be this mucusy with you tonight. Mm, mm, mm. Save some of that. <coughs> ah. Mm. Yeah, ma'am. That was put for you, in Yoda. Bag, right in the bag. There. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yoda will soak his feet in that. Oh, that was right for you. I, 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 I brewed that. That was the piece of rice that got stuck in my throat, man. Mm. I love you, Yoda. Oh. Well, that made him happy. Maybe oh. we can just give him some snot every time and he'll overlook all the Grogu's. If I knew it was that easy, I would have done it sooner. <laughs> I've been saving my snap for I could, jeez, I could make him feel like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you ready to get into this and find out what I wrote? <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, go, let's, uh, enter oh. into Discovery. Alright. Oh shit, the first thing says recap of last week's episode. Fuck <laughs> 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 me. Alright. Act one. Here we it go. Alright, let me see. Uh what what did happen last week? Um uh oh yeah, so Dennis was just like, Hey baby, um 
Oh yeah, Grief called. Grief was like, hey, come back here for this very obvious trap with Warner Herzog. And then was like, cool. Hey, I'm I could do it. This. I could do it. Grief okay. calls up and goes, where's the baby? And then he goes to then he goes to see Grief. And then they go to see see Warner Herzog and he says, oh, cool. Where's the baby? And then, boom, everything blows up and Moff Gideon comes. Oh, yeah, and we picked up Every, the And it says, where's the baby? Yeah, and then Where's Khalil the baby? Picked... I don't know what bit you're trying to do. I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. Everybody. Everybody said. Where, everybody wanted the baby. That's true. <gasps> What's that? What's that show? Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Grogu. I never actually seen Everybody Loves Raymond. I have no idea. Yeah, neither have I. So I don't know how well it fits. But yeah. We are just doing so great on this recap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just like scoot on out of here now. Sorry about that. Long story short, Khalil's dead, and that sucked. And IG-11's here, and so is Kara. And Den is like, oh no. And some biker troops got Grogu. And Den, Kara, and Grief are stuck in a cantina over Warner Herzog's poor dead body. Even though he's a space Nazi, so fuck him. But we also really love him in the show. That was last week's episode. <clears throat> Alright, Actress Act 1. We open with biker troops coming back with Grogu. Okay, I wrote that part down. So, and they were all just like, Oh, we're doing a comedy bit. I'm Jason Sudeikis. I need to believe in this comedy bit because it's actually a really good comedy bit. And the other cab driver is like, Are you trying... Cab driver? The other biker trooper is like, Are you trying to do a Ted Lasso bit? And he's like, Is it working on you, Coach Beard? He's like, I don't have a beard. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I see the baby? And Jason Sudeikis is like, No, this is my baby. You have to believe in the baby. He's like, okay, I believe there's a baby in that bag. And Jason Sudeikis is like, okay. And so they show him Grogu, and Grogu's like, hello, I'm really cute. And the other biker trooper's like, ow, it bit me. And Jason Sudeikis is like, that's what you get. And he punches Baby Yoda, and the world exploded. Because that, you can't do that to Baby Yoda. And just about right there, what happens next? And then IG-11 arrives. And then IG-11 <laughs> arrives. And he's all like, did you just punch that baby? And Jason Sudeikis is like, yes. I did. And then IG-11 comes in and beats the fuck out of him. And Jason Sudeikis is like, awesome, I'm going to go win an Emmy for Ted Lasso. Bye. And he leaves. And actually kind of dies in this. It's fine. Um, so IG-11 picks up Grogu and he's just like, hello. And Grogu's like, hi. And they ride into town. And they show up. And Dennis and their friends and Den is surrounded by Gideon. And Moff Gideon is just like, Aha! I am monologuing now! Hoo hoo hoo! Look at my big gun! And I know all your names, Dennis Ashley Dinjarin of Mandalore, and Kara Cynthia Dune, and Grief Karga. And Grief is like, your middle name's Ashley? And he's like, it's uh, my mother's name. Don't question me, we need to get the fuck out of here. We need to get the fuck out of here. And and they're like, we need to get to the sewers because that's where the Mandalorians live now. And they're like, okay. So they look around for entryways. Where the fuck am I? And Gideon's like, I'm just going to keep monologuing for seven whole minutes. Because I'm Giancarlo Esposito and I can chew a scene. 
like everybody else. And I'm gonna do like really ridiculous things like build this gun and then not use it until nightfall, apparently. And I'm just gonna mosey off because you guys are the heroes and protagonists always need time for shit. So you got Moff Gideon, I almost called him Mr. Gideon. Mr. Gideon gets on his ship and he flies away. And they're all like, fuck. What are we going to do? Gideon's going to blow us up in seven hours. We have so much time to figure shit out. That's okay, because Din realizes who Gideon is, and he has a whole flashback. And the flashback is just like, ah, my parents are dying in the Clone Wars. And there's two big old B2 battle droids coming out. And they're the big ones that were like, they weren't the cute ones that were like, Roger, Roger. They're like the asshole ones that are just like, Roger, Roger. We're not, we don't have personalities. And everyone's like, ah! And his parents are like, ah! And Dan is like, ah! And then they throw him in a cellar and they're like, we love you, son. And then they blow up. And then right before a droid comes to blow up Den, baby Den, I should say this is baby Den, a Mandalorian shows up. But the I thing call is, him little, little Himbo. Little Himbo! <laughs> when little himbo's about to get blown up, Mandalorians show up, but not just any Mandalorians. They're fucking Death Watch, who are the villains of Clone Wars. These are like the Maldalorians. Like, these are the bad guys. And he's just like, oh, wow. And they pick him up, and then they fly off into the, into the space. <laughs> and Din's like, wow, I'm going to remember this in Act 3 when I fly away with my child, because poetry, it rhymes. What you think of Act One? That <laughs> <laughs> was good. Um, it was a really weird thing to start out with, uh, you know, in the big dramatic, you know, ending of the season to start with comedy. And that it, and is then, one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars ever made. I will fight you. And I oh, I'm not I, saying it's it's just weird. And and it's and it's even weirder because when you think about it, they're the guys who just killed Quill. They're 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 total assholes. And it just oh, starts yeah. out with comedy with with them in it. And uh, it's also the first time that you that I think I've ever heard somebody say, "Oh my God!" in Star Wars. Uh, I would have to think back through shows, but you might yeah, be right. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, oh, my God. It was just like, I, I'm sure they were improvising, and one of them goes, oh, my God, you blah, 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 blah. I, I don't think, oh, my God, has ever been used as a phrase. And you would think, they, I've heard, like, thank the force and stuff like that. I mean, in, in my fanfic, I say, oh, my God's plural, because there's multiple gods across the galaxy. Right, but that's right. my fanfic, and it's not an on-show TV thing. Right, Why am right. I checking my email? But it oh, just right. it, it just sort of flew by, but I was just like, huh, interesting. I've never heard that that phrase. <gasps> yeah. and, uh, it's so funny, because like, I feel like you've had that note before, like maybe somewhere in the middle of like, Clone Wars? I, I don't no, know. There was, there, was another, there was something else in one of them that, that, was, that I remember. There's been a couple times where I've heard some modern vernacular and been yeah. like the first time we heard that in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what why it sounds so familiar to me that you're making this note. Um and uh I and I also thought the line where after after IG like kills those two guys, he's he, he's <laughs> got baby Yoda and he goes, I'm sorry you had to see that. I it's know like the first time but it like it's funny because like the Mando's all paranoid about this guy, but this guy's at least apologizing for car you know, doing carnage in front of a baby. Din's just like, oh, well, that just killed somebody. <laughs> That's the life. Now, this is what I I don't understand. Cara uh, Dune's got that that 
her her gun. It's not as big as that big gun, but they're just sitting there setting up that setting up that big gun, and it's like, why don't you just blast? <laughs> just because they're so outnumbered. If they blast them, they'll shoot right back. Uh huh. They, well, they could have blasted the power source to it and 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 uh, caused a little trouble or something. But it's just I like mean, you're acting like these people are smart. I'm I'm just watching it go. Just like just just shoot the guys setting it up. <laughs> I'm sorry for the crinkling. I'm eating Reese's. Ooh, but I, that's all my notes I got for for Act One. They're Valentine's Reese's. The top of them have like pink. I think I told you this yesterday, but yes. I didn't tell the listeners. They have like pink cream on top, and so it's like the bottom part is like it's like Reese's on the bottom, but like spring on the top, like a like a Reese's mullet. Oh. Mm. So I wanted to talk about those stormtroopers. Are you done? Yeah, it sounds awesome. delicious. Ho- hope's eating a mullet right now. It's so hope good. Ne- hope mullet next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right, what does my notes say? I love this opening with the stormtroopers. I do. I want more stuff like this. I do. Um, th- okay, yeah, this is actually one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars ever. I would love more Star Wars like this. Of like, yeah, these two dudes just murdered Quill, and now they're just kicking back and talking shop. And like, yeah. I love shit like this. Like this kind of like basic bitch slice of life kind of thing. This is what I want more in my Star Wars. It's very I, Quentin Tarantino, I think. That, I like, actually, that, I was like, uh, this is very Taika Waititi of him. Well, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it, but like, it's that's it's it's that that just on the edge of meta. Quentin Tarantino where you know they're sitting there and you know there's comedy but they're also imparting some they're like hey look you know he just he just came in and shot a bunch of and they're just like yeah I'm off ah. shot somebody else and he's like see you know we'll we'll just hang back that's Total such a lovely qu- segue into my next note uh, look at you honey well you're so good I didn't I'm, do it on purpose I but. know because like this is also like well you know and in the blaster like missing it goes on a little bit too long um, but I, I love this scene too. And to me, like this opening stormtrooper scene is a scene that I don't think people talk about enough, um, because there's some really important timeline stuff and world building stuff in the middle of this comedy bit. And I think because it's a comedy bit that it gets overlooked because there's the line about Gideon killing his own men. And then they said that killing Gideon killed an officer for interrupting him. And that's like such an important set piece to this time period um, because of two things. One, this shows the absolute desperation of the Empire. Um, but it's because like they're they're so desperate to hold on to like any source of power that any like little form of weakness, they just cannibalize their own men of like just being like you, you, that the slightest form of weakness, they just off their own men, which just shows this desperation but it's yeah. also a little bit of that, like, shifting to the First Order mindset. Because, like, take something like Rebels, right? We had, like, Oresco and Grint in Season 1. And they were two fuck-ups. But, like, you know, Tua and Callus put up with them for all of Season 1, even though they were fuck-ups, because they needed men on Lothal. And once more reinforcements, like Tarkin, came up, what happened to Oresco and Grint? They got beheaded by the Grand Inquisitor. But, like, because they needed, like, these two fuck-ups to just be warm bodies filling in this place until they get more reinforcements, they put up with fuck-ups. But now we're getting to that First Order mindset that we saw in Resistance. Because we have that one scene in Star Wars Resistance where 
Gallic was like, Tam, you should have let Jace die. Jace was weakness, and you should have let him die and not saved his life. To Ruckland's face. And that's, like, so we're seeing this shift from, like, the Empire's mindset into the First Order mindset, which is you have to, you know, and they murdered their way to the top. Like, Arinda Price did that, and, like, she killed people. But it wasn't as severe of just, like, someone interrupted them and you shot them in the face. The Empire didn't do that, but that's something that the First Order does because they're moving into that, like, super, like, everything or nothing mindset, which we see more in Season 2. When, like, the Bo-Katan episode, when the guy's like, I can't be captured, and he kills himself. That is, like, such an important piece of world-building in the middle of, like, this comedy that, that I don't think people talk about enough. And I also think the story of, Gid- like, Gideon killing the officer for interrupting him is, like, probably 90%, like, 50 to 90% true. Like, he he probably did kill an officer, but by the when they hear, I hear he killed an officer. He just killed an officer for interrupting him. You know, it, it sounds like it's it's been, you know, past. It might be like third hand, you know, and and each time it gets embellished a little bit. But that's also how you like spread the terror throughout it. It just had the sound of like, yeah, I had a friend who was there, and you know, he saw this happen. Yeah, you know, and. I also have to wonder, because I thought about this, and it's one of my Act 3 notes, and so I'll come back to this in Act 3. I think that line also says a lot about Gideon, of him desperately throwing his power around to where he's ruling with fear of his own men. Like, you know, and so he has to kill his own men to hold on to power so they fear him. Um, Instead of just, like, being, like, a leader person. Uh, that's a very yeah, he's like not interested in that that's i mean that's the yeah. thing is the first order seems to be the like it's stripped all artifice of being you know a a you know bring order to the galaxy even though that's what they want to do in their own way but you know they they're you know they, they it's sort of in in um in it's it's more it's you know way more clear in resistance because it's they they do sort of start with the with the um language of the imperials but when you see it it's and and i mean the um, imperials were raw power too but but the first order is just like now once they get their hooks in they're just like yeah you're no you're ours and you do what we say you know and it's Mm -hmm. it's just turned up to 11 it really is. And and that's why like I think this scene is like so important. Um, because it's really setting up a lot of that sequel trilogy stuff that's setting the first order separately from the Empire. Um, and cause I was thinking about this, like, I don't know if Thrawn would fit in with the First Order. You know? Like I, I actually don't. I mean, he's a brilliant mind and stuff like that, but I don't think he'd put up with their bullshit. <laughs> Um, it's hard to tell because like he's he's very good at adapting and I think he could adapt his way in. But if Book Thrawn would fucking hate everything about this. Filoni yeah. Thrawn is harder to tell. I, I feel but I still even then feel I, like I, I don't think Thrawn in his Imperial stage would work like that threat like Thrawn at his worst would probably work for the Empire, but probably could not work for the first order. And yeah, because like 
Yeah, there's one line where you remember like the Hera episode when they're at Hera's house and like Thrawn's like, let them go, they earned their victory. I like I just see like General Hux like turning and looking at him like, what the fuck? No, blow them out of the sky, asshole. Like, I just I don't think I don't I have trouble seeing Thrawn functioning in the first order. Yeah. So do you do you think Gideon's already in the first order? Like do you think he's already working with those oh, like I don't- I don't think the first order is even a thing right now. I think it's just a, uh, I, I, I think it's a, 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 you know, according to the the rise of Skywalker, it's probably, from what I can suss out to about uh, around now, it's it's still in being Palpatine's plan. So right now, you know, Palpatine might have some people out in the outer rims building up his future army. But like, I guess this is where like the books and stuff are like dumb because it's not because technically the first order is being built like this at the during this time because we know like Ray Sloan took the most loyal of the loyalist people out into the unknown regions to start the first order, but none of this is on screen, so it's really hard to tell because yeah, no, I I think screen will always supersede books. So if guys like Gideon who might know a little bit more and may have even had like contact with Palpatine, you know, he might be, you know, or or something. And there's people who know that there's, you know, machinations in the, in the works and are trying to like, you know, cement their, their role as early adopters of the first order. But I have a feeling the first order as such is not, not formed yet you know i yeah. i think i think palpatine probably left most of the ex-imperials to sort of duke it out on their own for a while and maybe see who came came out of it you know and had a few moff gideons in there who because that's the thing is he's just shooting stormtroopers he's just sort of detached from the whole thing you know mm-hmm. and so he's on a he's on a different different agenda than just you know whatever you know his agenda is is Yoda which is or Baby Yoda which is almost directly means Palpatine you know yeah. so and that's why I think that like he might know more than say like 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 a normal like if if one of her Zog is like a normal like high ranking Imperial yeah Gideon's like a Tarkin level where like he is like in with the Emperor and doing all that like that inner circle shit. Like, like that, I can see. Werner Herzog like seems viscerally terrified of Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. and he's a and he's a fucking vile creature himself. Like I I I almost picture Herzog as being an old imperial. He's old. He can't do anything different. And at the same time, he's maybe thinking, you know, if I stick with this shit and the, this baby, you know, and they're they're testing and stuff, maybe I'll be able to get some you retirement know, money. No, maybe I'll get to get some like midichlorian juice and and live longer, you know, because that's like oh, what usually happens with with people like oh. that. You know, they want their power in their life forever. So he he was getting old and decrepit. So maybe he was hoping against hope and his mind was probably his mind uh, mind was obviously a little bit uh warbled there so god i love warner herzog i was watching interviews with like where he would do like you know like give a little talk somewhere and be interviewed and and talk about stuff and 
you just can't go wrong with them. He is amazing to to listen to speak, and I'm just so, I I cannot believe he. It's so good, even though he's dead. <sighs> the uh, the the character, not Werner Herzog himself. No, Werner Herzog's still going fine, but like <laughs> yeah, but. Um, my next note is, um, part of the reason I'm actually really like team recast Garadun is I love the fact that she's from Alderaan, um, because we've explored like Alderaanians and like books and comics and stuff, but Leia never got a chance to really explore what it meant to be like the queen of a destroyed planet or like the uh, princess of a destroyed planet or anything like that. And she's like, like the angry id of Princess Leia, really. Yeah, of, like, really... yeah. And that's such an interesting character that I don't think we've ever had. I can't think of a time we've ever seen that on screen other than Leia and Kaz, actually. Kaz is the next closest person because he lost Hosni in Prime. And we saw Kaz kind of go through those motions as well, but they never really fully, like, faced it in Resistance, which was one of our critiques we talked about in Season 2. But um, I, I just think that would be such an interesting character and that, that's one of the things that I, I, I'm like, yeah, Team Recast Kara, so we can go into that story. And it's funny, I remember when we were first having the, the talk about um, uh, Gio Carano, Carano, right? Yeah, whatever, it was close enough. Yeah, and and, uh, and uh, I was saying, well, you know, she's a good physical actress, but she's she's not a great actress. And then, like, this episode, I'm watching it going, oh, she's doing a really, she's acting really well in this episode. This, I think, was, like, the the best acting I've seen out of her in, yeah, in her run. Yeah, in season two. Yeah, season two, she's kind of wooden, and she's kind of wooden before this. But there's, like, they, like there's obvious, like, they, like, something, there was something about, like, what they gave her to do and say and her motivations or whatever, because she, she, she looked. The power uh, of Taika. Yeah, she she looked she was really uh like the the whole sequence where they're still in the you know trap down was yeah, she was like very good facial acting and everything. I was just like, "Oh jeez, maybe I was maybe I was wrong about that." And then I was remembering season 2. Oh, she's not good <laughs> at all. Um and the only other thing I have for act 1 as I put another Reese's in my mouth because I can. Um, I think it's so fascinating that Death Watch is the ones that save Den. It is like the formation of his cult. <laughs> because, yeah. like, they were the bad guys of Clone Wars. But Star Wars really loves from a certain point of view, you know? Do you remember Jim Jones? Do you, do you know who Jim Jones is? Possibly. He was Guyana. The cult leader fed him all, fed all his followers cyanide. That sounds familiar. She I watch a lot of Illuminati. He, he was a he was a preacher in the United States, and uh, moved all his followers to Guyana, and had a cult there. And then when the when you know people were trying to escape from it, and he wasn't letting them go, and they brought a, I, I want to say a, I can't remember if he was a senator or a congressman. I think he was a senator went down there to, to check out the place because one of his constituents was there and then they shot the senator and a bunch of people and then they all committed suicide by by cyanide and Kool-Aid. It's where drinking the Kool-Aid comes from. <laughs> ah. All right, that's Jim Jones. Evil cult lived in Guyana. Before that, he they were a uh, 
they were definitely a culty religious group in San Francisco, but he was a a very very strong campaigner for uh, racial justice, and used to you know feed poor people and and strongly strongly like supported you know black people, and like probably helped out a lot of people <laughs> helped probably helped out a lot of little kids you know so i was gonna say i don't know if death watch are on the same level as jim jones but they were fucking around with darth maul so yeah <laughs> and, and that's where it's interesting because that's like, the thing is in, in, within during... death watch they they are their own family you know and we kind of saw that in clone wars because um and the episode where well, I think it was pre Vizsla fought Maul for the Darth Saber. Um, when Maul won and beheaded pre Vizsla, we saw Book Tan split Death Watch, and she was like, "I'm never going to serve someone who's not Mandalorian. There will be never, I will not serve Maul because he's not Mandalorian." So she split Death Watch. So like, and and then that's what call it kicked off the Civil War because she went to Ahsoka. This ex Death Watch person went to Ahsoka to bring in the Republic to help. So it was like Death Watch versus Death Watch. So are we talking about the Maldalorian Death Watch that took Din in, or are we talking about the Bo-Katan Death Watch that uh, brought Din in? Those are two very different. And I'm thinking it's the first because he did not Bo-Katan know. Bo-Katan didn't seem to have any idea who he was. So yeah, and he didn't seem to know who Bo-Katan was um, right. either. So I think he was taken in by Maldalorians, which makes sense because they're sort of like fundamentalist anyway. Right. The whole reason they like rebelled against Satine is because they wanted to go back to their fund- fundamentalist warrior ways. So I think these are like the Maldalorian Death Watchers. <laughs> Which is very interesting because. Well, it. it I mean, it, it, I mean, we're, we're talking the himbo, but the himbo is also a, a gifted killing machine, mm-hmm. and a when cold he wants blooded, to be. cold-blooded killing machine when he wants to be. Yeah, so when he wants to be. Yep. Yeah. But that's all I have for Act One. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right. Well, let's see what I find in my Act Two notes. Here we go. Act two. So Den was having a flashback, and Kara's like, Well, if you're done thinking about your entire three minute backstory, we got stuff happening here right about that time. They hear like the sounds of kicking ass in the distance, and IG 11 arrives with Grogu, and they just beat the fuck out of everybody. And they're like, Oh, okay. And all the heroes are like, Let's go kick some ass. And so instead of staying in the safety of their cantina, they all run outside like a bunch of silly gooses, and they just run around and shoot at people. But this isn't great, because Moff Gideon shows up and shoots this, like, battery pack, and it blows up dead. Because of course it does. <laughs> and the heroes are like, well, this was dumb. We left the safety of our confines. Let's all run back inside now. And they drag Den's dying ass, and Kara throws Den against the table, and he's just like, I'm gonna die like how I lived as a himbo and she's like no don't die he's like yeah i have to and she's like well if you take off your mask we can heal you and he's like no it's my creed i can't i can't and she's like well your son's gonna be fatherless he's like fine take them to the sewers the mandos are down there here's my necklace give it to my baby tell them all about me and protect my kid 
And during all this, the Empire's like, so we're just going to keep fighting, right? And Gideon's like, yeah, go burn them out. So a dude shows up with a flamethrower. And the guy's like, hey, I have the flamethrower. And he's all like, And they're all like, ah! And Grogu's like, you're not going to hurt my daddy! And he uses the flames of the Force to push the flames back on the flamethrower guy, and he blows up. So Grogu just murder him, man, it's fine. And so IG-11 is like, here, Cara Dune, take Grogu. I'll stay with Amando. And Grief and Kara and, um, what the fuck is his name, Grogu, go into the sewers, and they leave IG-11 and Den behind. And IG-11's like, so Den... I'm gonna heal you now. And Din's like, no, I'm being a butthead. And I'm gonna die like a warrior because no living thing can see my face. And IG's like, that's a loophole because I'm not alive. And he takes off Din's helmet and he fixes him with the magical fix-all called Bacta. Which is a great, like, you know, if you, Bacta can apparently fix anything, it's fine. And Din's like, oh, look at me. This is my face. I'm... Pedro Pascal, and I'm gorgeous and lovely and handsome. We all love you, Pedro. We really do. You're awesome. And so they, IG, hefts up Den, and they take him down to the sewers. And then they get down there. Car and Grief are like, oh, hey, guys. That was fast. And Den's like, I know. Fucked it fucking Bacta, right? And they're all like, oh, Bacta heals everything. Yay. So... They're like, look, we'll find the Mandalorians, and they'll escort us to the Razor Crest, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. This entire plan hinges on the Mandalorians. You know, if the Mandalorians aren't here, we're fucked, but they're gonna be here. Because the Mandalorians are super important. And they turn the corner, and all the Mandalorians are dead! And they're like, fuck! Who could have saw this coming? And they're all dead except for the Armorer. And she's all like, oh, hey, everyone, what's up? And they're like, Armorer! We need help! And she's like, well, I'm not going with you. I gotta take all these, like, Mando armors and make sure they don't fall into enemy hands and melt them down, I guess, for future stuff, I guess. And they're like, well, what should we do? And she was like, you know what? You guys just go down to the river flat. And Din Djarin, you, what's this baby? And he's like, this is my son. And she's like, oh, this is the magical space wizard called a Jedi. And he's like, you're a magical space wizard, Grogu? I always knew you were daddy's special boy. And she was like, well, now we need to set up the plot for season two. So, this is now a foundling. He's like your son. And Den's like, no, this is my son. She's like, like your son. No, this is my child. Like your, whatever. Take him back to his magical space wizards and you'll be fine. Also, I made you this sweet, sweet mud horn decal. You want it? And he's like, yeah, I do. So she sticks the mud horn on his armor, and he's like, Look at this, son! We're clean it too, and they're great. But oh no, the Imperials are coming! So the armor gives him a jetpack, because why the fuck not? No one else is using it. And they leave, and the armor is like, Goodbye! I will see you in... I don't think she's in season two, so I will see you in the Book of Boba Fett! Bye-bye! And she leave. they all leave her. And then the Imperials show up, and she just beats the fuck out of them with a mallet and some, like, tongs. And it's amazing. Because it's awesome. What did you think of Act 2? Yeah, you get to see a lot of uh, little tiny Stormtrooper armor pieces flying through the oh, air. Oh, I love that scene. It's just... It's so... It's brutal, too, man. Like, yeah. you know, they all have blasters and shit, and she just beats the fuck out of them with a hammer and a pair of tongs. She just breaks their heads. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and it's just the plastoid just goes flying and it's just oh it's so satisfying i love it i love that scene i forgot a lot about this episode i forgot how fucking awesome the whole the just from where the ig's floating flying into the city and shooting mm-hmm. and and his whole attack is just amazing just he, the way the the way he's choreographed and the way he his body'll rotate you know he'll shoot, then his body will rotate to protect the ba- protect the baby, and it's just, but it's so kinetic and fast paced and just wonderfully. The special effects are seamless. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's it's just wonderful, and damn, that back does good stuff. It's uh, almost as good as the stuff that that uh, that uh, was, it, like was a- it was it no, it wasn't Ezra. It was um, it was uh. What's his name? Who's just like here? Take oh my leg's broken. Here's a shot. Oh, I feel better now. I don't remember. Remember that that was in resistance. It was uh at, at the oh at, oh oh yeah. Uh, it Kel, was to uh, Zena Warrior. Bro- Ayla broke her leg, and they they gave her like a bag of beans with herbs. <laughs> it's like a cold compress of herbs, and her leg was magically better. I remember that. No, no, this was the one where it was where Ezra went to meet Xena, warrior Lucy Lawless. And remember oh, all the oh, people oh, were sitting in that yeah, room the, like, we're sick. And he's like, oh, here's a little shot. And he's like, they, he healed all of us. And they're like, nobody even, he didn't even ask what was wrong with him. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. That, like when they met Queen Lucy, like, yeah, that guy had, that guy just had a broken heart and he gave him a shot of that and it fixed it. Yeah. But then I re- realized back to uh, do they make back teen anymore? Do you do, do you remember back teen? It used no. to be in every medicine cabinet and it was a little squeeze bottle that looks like the bottles that you squeeze shit up your nose now like Afrin or like you know nasal decongestant but oh. it was basically it was basically a little spray of alcohol and you know like a mild lotion, you know, like aloe sort of lotion. Oh. It was just, I mean, it was in every, every time a kid got a cut or a scrape or something. It's still up, around. I just Googled it. Would, would, would spray Bactine on it. And I'm like, that's definitely where he got the name Bacta from. I just, um, uh, looked it up and it's still around the Bactine. So, someday George Lucas is going to come back and he's going to make the final Star Wars episode and it's going to end with a little kid. And this is just like. A story a little kid either dreamt or was telling his friends, you know. <gasps> it's like, the Lego movie. Yeah, he used used like chewing tobacco for Chewbacca. You know, he just made names out of stuff that he saw and, and stuff like that. Sort of like the young George Lucas in Love movie, I guess, now that I think about it. Yeah, me and Megan have this joke of like this running joke of whenever something happens, just put some back down and you're fine. Like you can have yeah. a gaping wound in your chest and you just yeah, like, that's a, that's the thing. He was dying of some head like head wound and like the kind of head wound you would get in his with a big ex- concussive explosion and stuff would be like your armor deformed a little bit and crushed your skull or something like that, you know. To where you're going, like, yeah, I'm gonna die now, and like you spray a little Bacta on it, and it's like, okay, I could see Bacta like stopping some bleeding on a cut or something, but like, I don't know, but it, yeah, I Bacta it moves him, at the has him up on his feet real quick. <laughs> like Bacta moves at the speed of plot because, like in Lost Stars, fucking Cyana 
has to like regrow her liver from like this like horrible wound and it takes her months to regrow her her liver with bacta but like you know freaking and livers are meant to regrow yeah or or like her like spleen or something like she has to regrow like organs or whatever um but like here it's just like spray you're not dead little spritz here um well, it's a flop, flop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. My only other note is when I noticed, like, I'd forgotten a lot about this episode. So when they saw the whole pile of Beskar, they're like, oh, the Beskar. And I'm like, who would just leave Beskar laying around? That would get scavenged so fast. And then it's like, okay, she's there. And then I just started thinking about, like, their focus on their on the Beskar and the the fundamentalist thing of it. It sort of reminds me of like they might be like a nice little rhyming parallel to the Jedi, you know, of like when the Jedi got too caught up in their own rhetoric and dogma and running the galaxy and stuff. It's sort of like the Mandalorians that get, you know, stuck up in the trappings of their their thing and it, and it sort of ends and it sort of leads to their downfall. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of. Or I mean, to the to where there's just a couple of them left, and they've got to sort of try again, you know, try again, try better this time, you know. I mean, Mandos and Jedi are essentially the two sides of the same coin because the reason that yeah. the Mandos made Beskar in the first place is because it was resistant to Jedi lightsabers. You know, I mean, they're lifelong enemies, but they have actually so much in common when it comes to getting trapped up in their dogmatic bullshit. But when they venture too far away from their traditions, like Satine does, did it was like her downfall too. So like there's they have a lot of similarities between Mandalore and Jedi. Yeah, but uh, that's all I got for part part two. Yeah, somebody give Den an award for dying dramatically. <laughs> I know. How can you how can you give up so easily in a galaxy that has Bacta? Yeah. I know, and the thing he was just like, because Car, like, it's like a five minute scene too, where Car's like, "You're gonna be okay." And he's like, "No, go yeah, on just without say, me. Just give me some back to and turn your back for a minute. I gotta take my helmet off." The end. But then it's not dramatic, and we can't have the first time. We yeah, see no, he Pedro's wants. His, he's 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 that that because like that's part of their per- that cult personality is they want that that hero's death, you know. Yeah, there's, there's part of him that is like, ah, now I'll die a, a Mandalorian hero doing what I got to do, you know. But from a storytelling point of view, like it's one of those just like convoluted scene of like we're gonna make it this big moment where we see Din's face for the first time, and it's just like a five minute scene of him just being like, "Go on without me, so I can have this moment." And like, I it's one of those like I could see the strings of the direction and the storytelling just like trying to pull everything to that moment. It reminded me of Return of the Jedi, anticlimactic. You take the jet, the, the, the helmet off, and you just got this lumpy guy in there, you know. But that's actually what I really like about it. Yeah, no, is... that's that's the that's very thematic of Star Wars. You know, you're expecting like this chiseled Monster. bad, chiseled bad, nah, like chiseled like sort of Clint Eastwood badass, you know, type of person. You know, more like Cad Bane. Oh, I, I was talking about Vader. Like you're expecting oh. Vader to be a monster, and he's just a guy. He's just a dude, yeah. But but whatever, yeah. And you're expecting, you know, like Din Djarin to be like some sort of like action hero looking guy, and he's just a dude with a with a lumpy face and some, you know, with a Linus head, and they're just like, hey. 
And I mean, that's actually like one of my notes is I just like that Dan is just a guy. Like there's nothing really special about yeah. him. He's just a guy and he gets to do all this cool stuff as a guy. And it, it's just that that is a very thematic thing with Vader. Like it has these like big story beats. And then you realize that and, and, and I, I think anticlimactic is actually I get what you're saying there. I think it's a little bit of a strong word because that tends to have a negative connotation. But in this case, it is a positive connotation of it's supposed to be a little anticlimactic. It's supposed to like build you up to have this huge reveal. And it's just Petro Pascal, you know, it's just like an Anakin. He's not even like hot Clone Wars Anakin. He's just like a dude. Um, and, and I like that. I like that kind of thematic tie with each other. Yeah. Huh. Did you have any other notes? No, that's all I got. Uh, what did I write here? Um, uh, the the gut the gut drop moment seeing all the Mando armor and then knowing they died. Oh, okay, I remember this. Um, why I wrote this. So when we were talking about episode three of the sin, one of the things I had asked you is, what do you think the title means? Like, who do you think the sin is? And and I I actually think that we didn't actually know the full meaning of that title until this episode. Because this, this, everything that we see here with these Mandos, these following ma- Mandos, that was Den's doing. That was Den's yeah, but, choice of was, taking Grogu. But, but at the same time, it's in, in the context of like Mando, he's sort of like, and that's sort of cemented in here where she officially makes him dad, you know? Mm-hmm. That he that that she was like, look, you did what you you did what you were supposed to do as a Mandalorian, and we died, but we died because you you did what you were supposed to do, and that was a that was a consequence of it. But you do what you're supposed to do, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know. I I I think it does it does work as that, but it doesn't it doesn't seem as that city. It didn't seem like the armor was just like. You, you're the one who brought this death to us. She was just like, eh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's what Mandos do. We die. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there was a fight. We lost. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what are we going to do? Why was there a fight? Mando business, you know? And yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what we do. We do Mando business and we fight and we die and we kill. And, and the only we, other. Th- then we get, gather up all our Beskar and go off. Find some other basement to, to <laughs> and some other hey, fight club to to run. Hey Chuck, can we hide in your mom's basement? Yeah, okay, but just don't. You gotta keep it down, man. You know, and, and clean up after yourself. Okay, no more pizza rolls. <laughs> My mom says you can stay, but you gotta change the litter box twice a week. Twice a week, your poor cats. Maybe because we have three cats, but they get their litter changed in the morning and at night. Our, our our cat like like I was doing I was trying to do every day or ever and then I started doing every other day and now I do like two or three times a week because she's t- we got one big ass litter box and one teeny tiny, tiny cat she's a teeny tiny little cat so it's, that's true it's, we have a big I, fat fuck and then it, two old ladies with like kidneys yeah 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 so they pee a lot she's just a little she's just a little little slip of a, a thing I just you, missed, imagine. You, you guys missed it I, I wish i had camera to take video of it she came in and when when you were doing the uh act two and she got on my lap and i have my arm on on the arm of my chair and i lifted my arm up and she sort of jumped up and put her two paws on my arm so she was sort of standing up there 
and just and she just wanted to stay there. She's she's in heat, so she's out of her goddamn mind. Oh, I love Miss Bernice. <laughs> just, and I just had to finally go like, listen, my arms falling asleep. I <laughs> know you're enjoying standing up right now because <laughs> you're insane. But anyway, I love Miss Bernice. <laughs> Uh, and then my only other throwaway kind of note is like it's you know when Din tells the armor that Grogu, Grogu is the one that saved me as well like you know that's true we know that it's the next two like the next two seasons one season being Book of Boba Fett so yeah uh, so yeah let's wrap let's wrap all the puppies up I got I got another good Bernice story real quick okay I'm gonna we were on the, we were on the stairs playing with her toys and she was rowing at meow meow. And she she looked at me and went, row, row, row. And I looked at her and I went, row, 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 row. And she went, row, 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 and, and hissed at me and attacked my feet. And I could hear my roommate in the other room going, what the hell is going on? Uh-huh. I, she, she didn't did not like, like you. She did not like my tone of voice. Oh, I did a, it, I bratted her right back and she was just like having none of it. It was hilarious. She was like, don't you use that tone with me. And she was like, Only don't you I talk, use that tone. Don't you talk back to me. How dare you. Anyway, Act 3. Act 3. Let's, uh, let's wrap this Bernice up. All right. So I've, been ask, wrapping, I've been wrapping her up in a blanket and calling her burrito lately. Burrito. Her, she's a burrito. 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 Act three. Act three. I'm just kidding. Meow. <laughs> and then Din was like, meow, 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 meow. And then Grogu was like, meow, 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 meow. Anyway, so. Oh, our- that's, that's, that's a future Star Wars for cats podcast that we'll do uh, us just meowing for an hour we just change all the the names to cat names and we just put me we use meow like the smurfs use the word smurf i just mean like and i being e-y-e-g 11 was just like meow 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 and tim was yeah. like yeah, this is the, that's like a podcast. If we actually did it, it would probably become really big for like two months, and then everybody would get sick of it, and then it would go back into obscurity. Yeah, yeah, but enough for us to like briefly monetize for yes. like you know. Yeah, like just like enough to retire. Of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why are you updating right now? I don't care. No, I don't want to use this version. You close. CC cleaner free for home use. Close. Act three. Act three. So our heroes run down the street, and the street being the sewers, and they find the lava river, and they're like, "Cool, a boat!" And they hop into the boat, and the boat is has this fairy droid, and this might be a surprise to everybody. I love this droid. It's so creepy and stupid. Yes. It's wrong. And, it's wrong and stupid and awesome. Yeah, and I think, it, like, you know, at the time this hadn't aired yet, but it reminds me of that scene in DuckTales, the, the, the nightmare episode where Huey is like, I'm the big brother, and he, like, dreams of having, like, his perfectly sized duck body, but his legs are, like, 
20 feet long and his brothers are like oh no uh it kind of reminds me of that and he's just this like creepy ass droid and it's like fine no i don't want i'm gonna decline your offer oh cc cleaner for home use go away fuck you and anyway the droid was great because the droid's like i'm here and i'm creepy with my long mosling legs and so they're mudging down the river and they're all like this is fine this is nice, you know, this is great. And the droid's like, I'm not pushing you towards your death, I promise. And Dan's like, what do you mean? And he ch- they see the tunnel open ahead. And they're all like, yay. And Dan's like, I don't know. And he uses his magic helmet. My fucking God, CC Cleaner, go away. Ugh. And Dan checks his magical helmet. And he's just like, uh-oh. I see the heat signatures of a bunch of Imperials, which is not how heat works, because they're surrounded by lava, and that heat signature should be blown the fuck out with heat around them, but you know, it's fake in space. What are you gonna do about it? And they're all like, oh no! And what are we gonna do? The Imperials are waiting for us, and they're all gonna kill us, and then they'll get the baby, and it's gonna be all bad, and we're all gonna die! And so finally, IG is like, hey Den. Remember way back in episode one, we had that whole comedy bit where I was like, I'm going to self-destruct. And you were like, don't self-destruct, let's work together. And Den's like, yeah, that was fun. Why? And IG's like, I'm going to blow myself up. And Den's like, you can't blow yourself up. But I, because I've had this entire character development where I'm like kind of cool with you. And if you blow yourself up, man, I'm going to actually miss you. And IG takes him by the shoulder and is like, and that's why I have to do this. To complete your character arc. To know that all droids don't suck. So you can go on to the Book of Boba Fett and see BD-1. Because BD-1 is far cuter than me. And that is the fucking cutest droid ever. And you can like him in Pelimoto's garage. I'm doing this for BD-1. And Den's like, I don't know what any of this means. And IG's like, that's fine. So he takes Grogu... And he boops him on his little ear. He boops him on the ear, Chris. Everyone boops Grogu's ears this episode. It's really fucking cute. Boops him on the ear. Oh, 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 I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, my chest hurt. Um, uh, he boops him on the ear, and then he dramatically gets off the boat. And he's the music swells, and it's like that movie Dante's Peak, where the grandmother like pushes their boat across like the lava, and she's like, like, oh, and they're all like, Grandma, no! It's the only scene I remember from Dante's Peak. I don't remember anything else about that it's a movie. Little, a little bit like Terminator 2, also. I've, well, I've never seen Terminator 2, so. Oh my God, Chris! I made a movie reference. Me. Me. I never make movie references. It's hey. not the reference I would have expected either. I know, right? I think it's because I saw Dante's Peak when I was a kid, so it like really traumatized me. The scene where like the grandmother sacrifices herself in like the acid lake to save her grandchildren, and they haul her out, and like her legs are gone. They're like, "Grandma, no!" And she's like, "I love you, like kids." And then they leave, and she dies. Like that's like all. I, I in that there's a volcano, of course, because that's the whole point of the movie. Like I don't remember anything else. Dennis Quaid in that movie? I don't remember. Um, well, yeah, IG's dying, and he walks outside, and he's like, Hello, fellow Imperials. And they're like, Fellow Imperials? He's like, you know, because my, my I, other friend, IG88, worked with the Imperials, so I guess we're Imperials, too. And they're like, No, you're not. He's like, No, I'm not. And he blows up, and everyone's sad, because he kills all the bad guys, and IG11 is gone. And he's like, Goodbye, everyone, and he blows up. 
And they all roll out there, and Din's like, I had a character journey, everybody. I'm all sad now over a droid. Is it raining under my mask? I think it's raining under my mask. But oh no! Moff Gideon, I don't get this scene either, because Moff Gideon comes in hot and tries to blow them the fuck up so he might kill Baby Yoda. I don't know why he's shooting at them. I had that uh, same thought. <laughs> I, yeah, like, you know, I understand it's cool that it's like pew 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 a TIE fighter, but also like, what if you kill the baby and then you're fucked, dude? You could literally blow that tiny child into pieces and never find him if he lands in the lava. <laughs> like, it was dumb. Anyway, Gideon's all like, Fear! it's the sound of a TIE fighter. He's all like, pew pew pew. And Den's like, guess what, everybody? I have a jetpack now. And he flies after Gideon, because he can. And he grapples to Gideon's, like, TIE fighter. And is just whipping through the sky like an idiot, because he can now. And he pulls himself to Gideon's TIE fighter. And he just, like, knocks on the door. And he's like, excuse me, asshole. Excuse me, asshole. I'm going to blow you up now. And Gideon's like, fuck you. And he spins around, like, in the TIE fighter, like, Wah! And Jim's like, whoa. And I'm himbo now flying, it's fine. And so Den um, manages to get like a little detonator on one of the wings and he blows off the wings and he's just like, yahoo! And he like flies off the back like Mario. And he lands. I lost my spot. Anyway, long as I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Gideon crashes, Den lands. Grief and Kara like, here's your child. He's like, bye, see you in season two. And they take time to bury Kawil because Kawil is the best character of the show. He should have been here longer. Fuck them for killing Kawil because he's an amazing character. And then Ding gets on the Razor Crest with his baby, and they fly away. Except there's one more scene where Gideon, Gideon kicks open the door, and he crawls to the top of the ship, and he's like, Hey, everybody, I have a fucking dark saber. And the, bar- the dark saber is just like, Shishing! And everyone's like, Oh! And the fandom lost their goddamn minds. It's a season two. The end. Why'd you think of Act 2? 3. <coughs> yeah, they lost their minds in, like, two different ways. There was, like, people like us who were, like, followers of the, the cartoon shows who were like, oh, the Darksaber. Yeah. That has some implications. And then there were other people that it was just like, uh, it was just like, uh, what the hell is that? And then go to the, like, explaining it and going like, oh, it's an Easter egg. Okay. And it's, and and it's, and even to us, it still seemed a little Easter eggy, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, we know what that is and stuff. But then like, yeah, it had, it came with a lot of implications. So that was really cool. I never once felt like it was an Easter egg. I was just like, oh shit, where's Bo-Katan? Like, because that was the the first thing I thought of at the time was where the fuck is Bo-Katan? Well, yeah, yeah, Um, me too. But then like, as I thought about it, I'm like. Ah, uh, that could have just been thrown in a, for for us as the fans, but it was like, nope they they definitely like knew what it, they knew what they they were gonna like use it like they meant it. That's actually like my biggest note, so I'm gonna go ahead and get onto that. Um, because I remember when that happened, like it it's it's introducing like such a big animation component into live action. And it's it for one, it's cool because if you don't know animation, it's one of those moments that it, and this is where it's different from the mall reveal because with the mall reveal in solo, it's like, oh, you kind of needed to know what happened, you know, like, um, why isn't Darth Maul alive? He should be dead because you have no context of that. And I remember explaining it 
uh, Clone Wars to friends after Solo. But the cool thing about the Darksaber is it's vague enough where people might can th- go a lot of different ways of like, is Gideon force sensitive? Why does he have this black lightsaber? Like it's it's so vague enough to where it's not like the mall intro where it's like you kind of have to just know like, Clone Wars. Or it could symbolize he's just whooped all the all the Mandalorians, you know. Well, that's the this, thing. Like, this guy is a Mandalorian lights, whooper. Lightsabers mean Jedi, though, and that's the thing. Like we know what it means to Mandalorians, right? But to right. Josh Schmo, like they just they, yeah. lightsaber means Jedi. So there's a lot yeah. they. That it's a good it's kind like of like Darth, he's Darth like a Darth Vader character or something, yeah. Yeah, and so I and that's what I like about this. And I they kind of did the same thing in Book of Boba Fett, like Black Kersantan's a comic book character, but the way they introduce and same thing with Cad Bane, like Cad Bane has this big history with Boba, but the way they introduce those two characters in the Book of Boba Fett, it's vague enough to where like, yeah, they're just badasses that come out of the fucking desert. You don't need to know everything. And yep. That's what I kind of like about yep. this. And I think that's something that they learned from Solo, where it's like, yeah, we're bringing him back in Darth Maul, but you need to know why he's alive, so go watch Clone Wars. But it doesn't feel like that. But I do remember, like, it's really cool for deep diving fans like this, because we know. And I remember explaining Clone Wars and Rebels to my boss, because he came to me, like, the next day, and he's like, all right, you need to tell me everything about that black lightsaber, because I know you know about it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Clone Wars. <laughs> But it's it's really cool and I and I like how they introduced it because it's vague enough to and it's just cool. I, I love the Darksaber. I love I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I said this all through Clone Wars and I said this again when we did Rebels. I love the sound of the Darksaber. It has that yeah. very distinct sound that I just love so goddamn much. Well it's neat to see it like the Tuka Cat. I know I, live action. Even though it is a <laughs> Pardon, a CGI artifact, you know, just like it is in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's still neat, but they, you know, it's different. They they design it for it, it. Yeah, it was just really neat. Yeah, I I am. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see John John Carlos was you know holding a dark saber. Well, also you see you see it come out of the the you know it cut through the tie oh. fighter. I remember fucking. I gasped. I remember, like, I, yeah. I remember gasping. I was like, "Is that? Is that? Is that? Is that?" And I was like, "Oh, it is. look at that." They're very good at that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see what else do we got. Uh, I forgot about the the astromech with legs and arms. And oh, he's great. In that scene, him and. Like they they didn't need to do that with the astronaut mech droid, and they did, didn't need to add the little like rat lemur creatures that were running on the side that that looked just like rats, but then like they sort of you sort of see them in the dim light, and they're a little weirder looking, and the, the just those two little creepy, and and the droid isn't even really a creep, you know, he's just sort of weird looking and looks creepy. But it just adds to the whole atmosphere of the thing and the whole like craziness of it. It's just it's great. Mm. Um, I I, I got, love it, the the just the weird spindly legs and all that. Yeah, well, it 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 gives it a whole different feel to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And arms and legs are not a feel that like seems it, it it almost looks like something that would have shown up in star wars visions or something like that you know 
Yeah, and actually there is, it does kind of remind me of, like, old droid from uh, yeah. the ninth Jedi. Yeah, and, and, and but, like, seeing an astromech with arm and legs, all of a sudden it becomes kind of Halloween scarecrow-y. It, 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 there's no reason why it should be a horror, horrific sight, but it is. It's just, it's great. It's genius. And, and it's, like, one of those things that it's, that's, that's the that's the the you know with a super stew you have your main ingredients but then you have those little ingredients that you just add a taste of that bring the whole thing together and that's the stuff in star wars that just like those little little embellishments that you don't need they don't they're, they're not even on the nose with anything you know, as far as like how they're supposed to make you feel or anything, they're just the thing that is that's there that it and it 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 does you know such wonders for bringing you into that world, you know and and getting you invested in it. Um, um my only other note is himbo's not crying, you're crying sad himbo. it's raining under his thing. But that's all I got for Act Three. Um, you know, I I pro I think I said last week that I would have a long detailed explanation of like Den overcoming his biases with droids. I'm sorry, I don't fucking feel like it. So just know that Den over you had growth, <laughs> growth. He overcame biases with his droids, which is his character development. Though I still like that we're still seeing him on that path. Like, I, I mentioned Book of Boba Fett in the recap. Like, it's... You remember when he first got to Pelly's thing, he was just like, don't fucking touch my ship. And then, like, yep. to ha- see him in Book of Boba Fett, like, actively working with Pelly's droids. Like, I'm Not proud of our... Not just working with him, but he's enjoying it. You know, he's yeah. he's bonding with him. He's talking with Beauty One. Oh, man. If Beauty went with Grogu and Dan and that was their, like, pal droid, like, the cuteness overload of Grogu and Beauty would yeah. just be, like, ridiculous. Well, it's funny. I was having a conversation. There's there's a bunch of people who are, like, kind of sick of Grogu and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not sick of Grogu, but I'm a little sick of Grogu being the cute guy. You know? Mm-hmm. Be, you know, it's you got to have Grogu be... Grogu's gonna be cute just by being Grogu, but now like I'm sort of geared up for like Grogu blowing up a sh- spaceship, <laughs> uh huh, <laughs> Jedi powers and stuff. I mean, he and, set a man on fire this week. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, that's 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 what I'm 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 ho- I'm I'm hoping Grogu isn't all just like, you know, is not he's not the baby anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. He's 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 obviously pretty intelligent and super powerful, like a little atom bomb. <laughs> so yeah, I'm mm-hmm. kind of psyched about it. Yeah. Um, I love an IG boops Grogu on the ear. Touches little ear, and I love him. Um, well, that's that's also like. Like all that stuff isn't just like the IG. It's Queel's, um, as Queel's line. It's you know, it's not the droid. It's what you put in it. So, mm-hmm. like all that stuff is Queel. You know, it's it's that's Queel programmed that droid. So it's in a way, it's Queel bopping his ear and stuff. 
Yeah, and that actually really goes back to what happened last. I, and I think and we we kind of talked about this last week, where Quill's death is kind of what pushes Jen over, because Quill says, "If you trust my work, then you should trust Ig." And Jen's like, "I do trust your work. I don't trust Ig." Yeah. And it led I mean, to Quill dying. Quill, like, Quill is the Obi Wan Kenobi in the in the story. You know, he can't. He he almost has to. He has to be there just to to do the thing. You know, to be a. You know, and then. <laughs> And then and then he's and then he's gone, leaving Din to you know having to like go out on his own, have to do it himself. So. Yeah, and it's it, he has to get that last little bit, but like it's that it is that nice moment where Din recognizes like I should have trust Quill, and now I'm going to trust his work by trusting Ig. Yep, yep. And it sucks because he blow himself up. Um, I love to do the magic hand thing, baby. Do the magic thing. It's one of my favorite scenes. Um, you want to know my big pet peeve of Mandalorian from here on out? Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. And it's my damn pet peeve from here on out. I fucking hate how Din wears his cape with his jetpack <laughs> from here on out. That he that the fact that he has the cape when he wears the jetpack. It's not even a cape. It's kind of draped over the side of the jetpack, so he can't even function function as a cape. It just it, and he takes it off like one other time and like sets the jetpack down, so the cape then openly flows free again. But the cape's just kind of like bunched over behind his shoulders and drapes over the side of the jetpack from here on out. And it's like, dude. Do the jetpack or do the cape. Don't do it one or the other. It's just it looks so doofy. Because I can I can I I'm cool with it here because here he threw on his jetpack and he had to go because they were in battle. That's fine. But like in season two, he still fucking wears his cape over the side of the jetpack, and it's not even like you know functioning as a cape because it's draped over the side like doofily off to one side of his jetpack. Because realistically, that would probably be the way you'd want to do it, because you flapping it around, it would make you totally unstable and would catch on fire and stuff like that. Yeah. So why but even like, fucking have a cape now that you have a jetpack? Well, I think, the, I think the reason is, like, the scene where he attacks a TIE fighter is probably one of the best live-action, like... Star Wars sequence, the uh, sequence of somebody clinging to the outside of it. We've seen it actually a lot in the animation, you know. Yeah, there's very famously, uh, uh, Ezra can't fly with jet packs in Rebels, very famously. And, 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 but this one, that it really, the way they filmed it, it really, you really get that feeling of like, it, like, him being in the that sort of like weightlessness of flying, like where like when he grabs onto it, like like he can grab onto it, but he's moving forward too. So like he'll sort of fall, like all his his hands will come off it, but he'll still be just sort of floating over, and he can grab back onto it and and grip onto it, and and the cape, even if it's subtle, gives that that feeling of just that the how much the wind is whipping and it the just the whole feel of it you could feel the wind and the and the like lack of you know hand hold he had on it and stuff it was very very well done but i think having the cape there gives it gives something to move in the wind 
which gives you a sense of speed and stuff like that. So I think that's why they do it. Or yeah, and the, and I and I think they probably thought like, okay, yeah, if you were really flying around with a cape flapping behind you, it would theoretically look good, but it really wouldn't do you any favor. So they were thinking Mandalorians being sort of like very organized military type of guys would have the way of draping their cape down around the side of their don't prob- rationalize it to me. I fucking hate it. Oh, like, go ahead and hate it, but that's just but, what I think is going on. No, with it. but you're right that I didn't think of it that way. That is actually like in this format a way to show movement when he's in air. You know, fake right. CGI air. Yeah. You're you're right. You're right. On a practical standpoint, you are correct. That does make total sense. I still think it looks stupid. <laughs> well, he's a himbo. He's you know that's that's the thing is he's got his cool armor and he's got a he's got his cool armor and then he's got his 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 socks tucked into his pants you know and or one one pant leg tucked into his sock you know. Everybody's like, why is your? He's like, I was riding my bike. I don't want my pants get. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> he is a humble. Uh, the last thing I have is a question that I wanted to pose to you. And this is a question that I am like, I'm thinking all the way through season two, you know, like thinking about this journey and like where he starts here to the end of season two when Himbo becomes the kingdom Mandalore. Is Gideon a Thrawn type? As in, he's constantly losing and never actually does anything right. Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah. And like he's he's he might even be lesser than than Thrawn, because when it comes to the moment of truth with Gideon, he puts a he he tries to put a a blaster under his under his chin, you know, Mm -hmm. and so so he's kind of he's he's weaker than Thrawn, and he's also yeah he's also very he's he's like he and Thrawn are also somebody who's like really gotten big in their britches and then all of a sudden they come up against something that they're just not prepared for, you know, that's, that's out of their league, you know, and they come in with an extreme amount of, you know, bravado and hubris and uh, yeah. And they get their asses handed to him. I, I was trying well, to think of Gideon like what... doesn't really get his ass handed to him, but like, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't come out on top. I, I was trying to think of like what does he actually do in this series? He comes out, and he looks cool, and he's blustering, blustering around. And he kills his own men, and he comes out and he monologues, and then he, of course, blows up Den, which is a badass moment. Like it's a badass moment where he's like, "Oh, I could shoot the Mando, or I could shoot, shoot the box that would take care of the Mando." Which it's a very tactician moment. And then he flies a TIE fighter crash. And then in season two, I was like, what else does he do? He makes these droids that do nothing, who are very easily demolished by Luke. And they are built up to be these big badass droids that Yeah, don't but they, they aren't easily vanquished until Luke comes along. And that's sort of what happens with Thrawn, too, is like that's the thing is where like when you start dealing with people like Luke and Baby Yo- Grogu and the Mandalorian in the I... sense of the story, you're dealing with like demigods. You're Did dealing they... with the char- characters. I'm trying to remember because it's been a hot. In... Oh, yeah, sorry. Finish your point. 
you're dealing with the characters who are who are baked into the force and the plot. So like and that's the thing with Thrawn is Thrawn has a mastery of the like um physical world in a way in a different way like the the Imperials are very like brute force whereas he's he's brute force but he's also brute force fine-tuned with culture and you know intellect to do it but like all that and and that is a like a um that in combination with the empire is deadly but when you start doing something that thrawn can't you know quantify even in an uh, like that's that's the thing is the like he can, he can, he he isn't just like a numbers cruncher he sort of like mixes the numbers crunching with you know artistic sort of sort of being you know being an artist or you know or or a sociologist psychologist so you're dealing with like imaginative stuff but even then when the force when the force and the 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 machinations of the force come into it you just get you just get bowled over you know and uh and that's the thing is 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 moff gideon he hit his wall you know (laughs) He was he's batting probably batting a thousand until he he got to this point and then you know like when he was in when and when Moff Gideon tries to shoot himself I think he's probably realized that probably like half the people in that room already could kick his ass at this point you know that he's that he's not even just like he hasn't been just defeated as a badass but he's just like oh shit now I'm in a room full of people who like can overpower me and then and then you add luke on top of it and he's just like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> shit no the reason why, why you're talking because i like i said like i've said before i like i've seen season one like four to five times but i've only seen like season two like twice um it's been a hot minute um i i couldn't actually remember if they had fought the dark troopers and din does and din almost loses his life so yeah the, the yeah dark he has to really like yeah, I I forgot, mean, he I can beat them that. but he ha- it's he has to just like he beats one muscle it out like yeah, yeah he has to yeah. tank he beats it out one and it almost kills him so yeah i i you're you're right you're right i just i couldn't remember but like um and then like luke just comes in his choice so, so i was thinking about that like thinking about Gideon, and you guys know I love fucking Thrawn. I fucking love Thrawn flaws and all, but I was thinking about Gideon from, like, a Chris point of view of just, like, does he actually really win at anything? I mean, I don't, I can't... No, you know, I, I like him better than Thrawn, personally, but that's, you, you know how I am with Thrawn, so... Yeah, because I wrote all show and camp, but little to back it up with, the question mark? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's interesting that, like, Gideon is built up to be this big bad, but, like, he really doesn't do much, if you, like, in the context of things. I think it would have been interesting if he had, like, a little bit more time before he got captured, like, maybe, actually. Or even having just a scene where he's like, we need to test the Dark Troopers, and he, like, drops the Dark Troopers in, like, a village, and they just decimate everything. Just Well, the I'm fact so- that he's alive means that he's gonna get loose again, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, but I, know, I was thinking about that, like, in it, terms of the Dark Troopers, too. Because, like, the Dark Troopers are kind of underwhelming. Like, they're built up to be these big bad things, and one fight's done, and then, like, Luke destroys them all. 
But like, I think it would have been really cool if there was a scene in season two where Den- where Moff Gideon had like a three minute scene of like, let's test the dark troopers, and they like burn down a village. Yeah, yeah. I think fucking evil, because he's more camp than evil in my eyes, which is fine. I love Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, I don't have anything else for X three, and I'm tired. My chest hurts, and I just want to cough. Okay. And be gross. So, uh, what was score of the episode, Chris? I thought this was a great season finale. Um, I think it, it it was a joy to watch from every ang- from acting to uh, yeah. I think everybody's every, it was like everybody's a game on it. Just very satisfying ending, and uh, I give it a nine point five. Wow! Yeah, very a very good episode. Yeah. Yeah, easy. I I actually like I originally I scored it lower and then I bumped up my score because Ooh, of like wow. two scenes. But like um and I think the reason I'm just much lower than you are is I like everything in this episode. It's just it's not one of my personal favorites, you know. Um it, but I I do like it. There's nothing wrong with it. So I I especially love the stormtrooper scene at the beginning. I think that's one of the most important sequel trilogy scenes that people don't talk about enough. Um, and I love IG-11 in this, um, and everything that he does is just so badass. Um, and I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I liked it. I remember, I'm the visual guy. This was, the oh, visuals in this, this yeah. were, blah. And I, I love our creepy little R2 unit that turns into a spider yeah. droid. <laughs> when, when, when you hit, when you hit, like, a good story and the visuals at this angle, yeah, you're gonna get a 9.5 out of me. Yep. Uh, well, as always, we would love to hear feedback on iTunes, Twitter, on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Uh, this week, our feedback comes from Twitter because our friend Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze took the time to send me this nice long message explaining the tracking fobs to me. Because we were talking about that earlier in the first half of the show of just like, how the fuck do the tracking fobs work? They don't make sense. I need sense. them explained to me, too. So he was nice yeah. enough to write out this explanation for us. So thank you, Charles. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Take it away, Chris. All right, Charles says, so basically you need three things to bounty hunt. You need a tra- tracking fob, which is a short-range sensor. You need a chain code, which is basically the information on your driver's license. And you need a puck, which is a mugshot. Okay. Okay. I'm, I, I, I got that much. So now I'm hoping he's going to explain how the hell it like ties it to the person. The way it works is the, uh-huh. Hunter plugs the chain code into the tracking fob, and the tracking fob detects biometric readings nearby based on that chain code. Okay. I know, keep going. He explains The hunter is needed to apprehend the target, but also to correctly identify the target, which is what the puck is for. Oh! So for me, I'm... Okay, it's falling in line. So for me, for example, a bounty hunter would be given my height, weight, hair color, eye color, etc. And they have a fob that detects people matching that description. But the hunter still needs to track me down. How the hell does it know who has that... How, your description, though? So so that, that that's what he's saying. Like, say, like, we're in a group, like, a room of, like aliens and stuff like that and it's just you and me and everybody else in the room is twilight if they know to look for human they walk in a room full of twilights and you and i are the only two humans like yeah, it'd be yeah, picking yeah. up like we are looking for human so the tracking fob would be like oh i need to find this 
Ethorian. And then, like, they they track down, like, all the Ethorians, and then they have the mugshot to be like, all right, which Ethorian is it? <laughs> right, but that's the thing is, is he's walking through the desert. Okay, let me, let me finish reading it before I start trying to pop holes in it anyway uh okay uh but the hunter still needs to track me down but to also distinguish me from someone like bradley who is bradley very similar his, basic his co-podcaster who is very similar in basic appearance to me and especially if you're an alien species like most humans would be <laughs> you know couldn't tell them apart. So in one, so in episode one, when Mando expresses shock that there's no pup, that's because he's being asked to hunt something so weird. There's no possible way he would need to identify it by sight. Okay, but I still like when you're out in the desert and you pull your tracking fob out and it says go right. How is it? I, I guess it it can just sense life forms for short you know, range. I guess. Yeah. Because it's yeah. A, it's a short range, so it depends on like how short range that is. Um, so like it's it's that standard Star Wars technology thing where they have a thing that exists, but they but there's a million ways that it could probably be used also that they never use it for, you know, yeah. di different kinds of technology that could probably be used to make life a lot easier for everybody. But like mm. like knowing if there's life forms on a ship and stuff. <laughs> it's, it like uh, or, or you know or, or you know sometimes they're like uh, you know you have to get on the ship before you or the it's yeah but thank you for sending us the explanation charles it made sense yes. to me yes no it makes sense it makes sense it's not it's, it's not you star wars is it's stupid not per it doesn't perfectly technically an like answer all the technical details of it but it answers it way more than enough for star wars so Oh, yeah. Like, the show, it does not make sense unless you, like, take the time to put it all together. No, with Star Wars, you have to take all the technology with a grain of salt and treat it like magic in a certain way. You know, you can have explanations for how stuff works, but in a lot of ways, you just sort of have to just accept that it works. I will how never forget I listening don't to people... Listening you know, to a bunch of drunk dubros rage you at a know party. How your VCR works? No, you know, but it works. You know how to use it. You know, so yep, I think yep. that's. Uh, I will never. And, and everybody who knows how things work in in Star Wars are usually little tiny weird bug creatures that just go or something like that. You know, so. I will never be over being at a party. Listening to a bu bunch of drunk dubros raging about the bombs and the last opening of the last Jedi, being like, "How are they falling in space?" And I'm like, the lever pushes them out, and they all just stared at me because I had corrected them. <laughs> like I made the atrocity of making yeah, their arguments. You only need to apply a little bit of a little bit of force for something to to keep going in the vac to keep going in a certain direction in the vacuum of space. There you go, dude. <laughs> But they were raging. They're like, it doesn't make sense. Blah blah blah. <laughs> all right. Everything flies everywhere in Star Wars. Everything can just fly all over everywhere. Why wouldn't bombs be able to just fall in whatever pattern they wanted to at whatever speed? In, we're talking about a thing with like fake space wizards. Yeah, dude. You know why they felt like fell like that? Because it's a bomber, and that's what bombers look like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm tired. I'm tired.
You guys know where to find us. We say it every week. Futurefreaks.com, <laughs> Twitter, Gene, da 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 da. Gene at uh, Jagos and Jedi on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so we love you guys, but Hope is really tired and I've officially ran out of energy. I'm gonna go to bed now. I love you all so much. Come back. Oh, I gotta do the Grogolution next week. Ooh. Yeah, I forgot about that. We should probably, instead of doing top five episodes, maybe like top three, because there's eight episodes. Yeah. Well, we'll or we could do, we, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 think about it in the next couple days, and like we'll, we'll come up with a, a a similar appropriate format for a for an eight episode <laughs> season. Yeah. I think we did that when when we had resist. No, it was a Rebel season four. I think we only did like top like three or four or something like that. Yeah. We we did change yeah, it yeah. for that because I, I remember that because it was a shorter season. We're like, if we do top five, we'll do like most of the season. (laughs) Yeah, we've done it before. Um, But we love you guys. I love you. My sick ass is going to bed. Hell, we could. This is such a short season. We could rank, just rank the shows. (laughs) I'd be, I'd be down for that. Yeah, let's do that. There you go. Big eyes, rank. Mando. I'm putting it in my reminders right now. Gachow! It is in my reminders officially. There it is. I love you guys. I feel like shit. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Oh, I've been waiting to do this up for like an hour. Oh, God, it feels so good. Ow, my chest.